Eagle Nation. You're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. All right, Eagle Nation, we are back um, after uh, a hiatus and a needed one um, after that App State game. If you listen to the last episode, um, we, we made it clear, look, if, if this ends um, like the way a lot of us thought it might, um, we're, we're just going to take a break, let, let things shake out. Um, when it comes to Clay Helton's staff and building that out. Uh, um, also recruiting with the early recruiting period coming here. Um, and we're recording this actually on that early signing day um, on December 15th here. Uh, so we'll spend some time talking about Clay Helton's first um, recruiting class and uh, breaking down some of those uh, signings. And, and yeah, and, and his staff as a whole, uh, Cody, um, but, but yeah, just, just wanted to take that break. Obviously there's still, there's a ton to discuss already, but there, um, is still a lot of unknowns, right? We, we still have coaching hires, including a defensive coordinator at this point, um, that we don't know, uh, how we don't need question it. Mark. So yeah, <laughs> we don't need it. No Coach Helton gonna, has it yeah. all, man. Full court. Yeah. Full court press. Um, <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, just uh, what we'll do the um, Presbyterian uh, model, right? <laughs> of, of, yeah, just never punt and just score, score, yeah. score. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we'll we'll talk through all that and um, and yeah, glad to be back, Cody. Hope everyone enjoyed their uh, their Thanksgiving holiday and obviously um, you know Christmas coming up this week. So um, you know, hoping everyone has a good uh, rest of their holiday season. But excited to. Uh, get talking about football again. Yeah, excited to talk about football, excited to talk about the future, um, and going ahead and putting last season to bed because we don't want to relive that anytime soon. Um, so, no, I'm pumped. Uh, I think we got a lot to talk about, National Signing Day, um, coaching hires or lack thereof. Uh, how do you feel about it? How, how are you anxious or are you taking it easy and letting Coach Helton and company um, take their time and make sure they get the hires right. So no, I think I'm I'm pretty excited after this first day of, of National Signing Day. I don't know about you, Matt, but I feel pretty optimistic going forward. I do too. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I can speak for um, a lot of fans out there. It's it's been a roller coaster, right? <laughs> These last yeah. couple of weeks since the App State game, obviously, like waiting on those coaching hires, which we'll get into um, in kind of the second half of the show. And, um, you know, uh, you know, a lot to talk about there, some maybe some concerns, some controversies uh, and, and rightly so um, with those selections. But then, you know, you're uh, you, you see the investment that uh, Coach Helton put into recruiting right away, kind of getting that head start, um, certainly more so than a lot of uh, a lot of coaches did uh, during this carousel. Right. Um, and, and really hitting the state of Georgia, um, being able to flip some kids and, um, and yeah, I, I think that 
eased a lot of people's concerns and, yeah. and fears. I mean, obviously that's not X's and O's, um, but you know, it, it takes talent, right. To, to execute those things too. Um, so I, so yeah, I, I definitely think it's there, there's been some ups and downs um, over these last couple of weeks since we recorded. Um, but I, I think uh, recording this now on national signing day that uh, it's, it's safe to be said that I, I think this was a good day. I think this was, you know, a, a good day. And like you said, a, um, a step in the right direction for the future and for the future direction of uh, this Georgia Southern football team, especially offensively. Um, so with that, let's jump right into that recruiting class. So um, starting off, you've got uh, 20 total signings, uh, even split, 10 offense, 10 defense. Um, most of the defense were um, retaining, right? It, it was, it was keeping, uh, commitments um, that we had from the previous staff under Coach Lunsford, uh, where definitely the focus, um, both from uh, from Coach Helton and the staff that he's hired, and again, we'll get into that in the second half of the show, but um, definitely he focused on offense. So focused on offense with the assistants that he brought in, brought in the offensive coordinator, still, doesn't, still don't have the defensive coordinator, um, and that showed in um, recruiting. With obviously with the shift in offense, um, we brought in quarterbacks, you know, pro style passing quarterbacks, brought in wide receivers, um, you know, with numbers and, and talent and ratings that frankly we really haven't seen, especially kind of as a group um, in one recruiting class. Uh, ever really at Georgia Southern, right? So <clears throat> that's huge. Offensive linemen uh, bringing in kind of that that prototypical style um, that you expect to run the type of offense that that Helton plans to run. So it's um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's been the focus obviously over these last couple weeks. Um, and yeah, let's jump into it. So I guess the um, the thing to note outside of 10 offense, 10 defense would be that of the 20 total, 17 hail from the state of yep. Georgia, right? That was a big focus uh, that Helton said from day one, right, in the opening presser that he was going to um, not just hone in on the Peach State, but hone in on untapped areas or just under recruited areas right those yep. rural areas of georgia um your your single a uh ball clubs finding guys um you know i i want to say jalen white i know he's from alabama but that type of kid right that that has big numbers but maybe not has all the offers because they uh for whatever reason you know they they can't make it to those uh those camps and um and and get the ratings from 24/7 rivals and stuff at those and you know they're playing against what is um is seen as you know quote unquote lesser competition so even maybe if the numbers are inflated they think okay they just write it off um but yeah i think that's where you find those diamonds in the rough um and and that was a big focus for for coach helton and his staff and he found several of them right yeah. uh you know i think starting off um with amari arnold uh running back out of brooks county high school um you know, this is a kid. He rushed for 6,500 yards um, in his high school career, uh, 2,500 his senior year, 42 touchdowns, um, huge uh, uh, state championship uh, performance, right? Uh, winning state championship for Brooks County. 
um, on uh, 320 yards, um, five touchdowns, right? In that game, put on a show there on uh, on um, PBS, right? Uh, that broadcasted the game. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think this is a special player. Obviously, undersized, uh, 5'9", 180. Um, we are well accustomed to that, yeah. right, Cody, um, when, when it comes to running back talent. But I think uh, with what is an already loaded backfield, um, but, of course, losing some guys in a J.D. King and, um, and a Logan Wright, I think – uh, this is, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a special player for us. Um, if, you know, certainly in a couple years, maybe as soon as next year. No, you're right. And, and depending on how he develops and, and how quickly he can get accustomed to, to the offense, uh, will determine how quickly he get on the field, obviously. So he has what appears to be the, the physical features as far as speed and agility to, to make an impact. Um, it'll just be, when he gets here, can he continue to develop it um, and realize at this level um, of football that every team, every player that you go up against is going to be good, right? You know, as you mentioned, it's single A, so not every week you're going to go up against a team that's, that's all that talented. Um, and so I think that's a mindset that's going to have to be kind of understood that everybody every week is good when you get at the collegiate level, even at the FCS. And so you can't take a week off. You can't take a day off. And, uh, but no, as far as, as far as what we see here and what I've seen on, on, on TV during the state championship game, I mean, it is, he looks very, very special in terms of what he can be um, here at Georgia Southern. Yeah. So um, going down the list there, let's, let's start talking about some of the wide receivers, right? Um, That's, Something that, that I mentioned before, obviously, you know, certainly not to discredit any wide receivers that um, we've had played at Georgia Southern or currently on the roster, you know, that we've recruited. Um, but at, obviously that's going to be a focus. I think you're going to see um, just higher quality because of the system that that we're implementing. Right. I mean, it's 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 really hard to convince guys, um, you know, <clears throat> top caliber guys to come and play in a run-based system, right? Whether you want to call it triple option or, or whatever it is, a heavy run-based system where, you know, you might be the leading receiver, but you might have 600 yards, yeah. <laughs> right? Right, 30 catches for 600 yards. So, um, yeah, that's a hard sell. Now that that's not, you know, you can come and be a thousand yard receiver. We could potentially have multiple thousand yard receivers, you know, like um, I'm not saying that it's going to be like a Western Michigan type deal, right. Where just like distribute the wealth. But yes, I, I think we now have an opportunity to go and target those kids that App State's targeting, that Coastal Carolina's targeting, that Louisiana's targeting um, and across the group of five, where, um, yeah, we, we've got a shot to, especially if they're Georgia kids, to keep them at home. And, um, and yeah, so I, I think this is the first class of many under Helton where you're going to see a big focus on wide receivers and um, kind of see an uptick in talent there, right? Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> so a couple guys that jump off talking about, um, or <clears throat> with uh, Dalen Cobb, uh, you've got – Again, kind of under undersized guy, 5'10", 185. He's technically listed as an athlete um, on like 24-7 arrivals. 
We list him as a wide receiver. He played quarterback in high school um, for Washington Wilkes. Um, he was the 8A uh, public player of the year. And that's first team region, all region. Eight, single A. So just single, to so, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Region 8, single A. Uh, and, uh, yeah, kind of dual threat guy, right? Rushed for 1,400 yards, um, 21 touchdowns, passed for 1,600, 17 touchdowns. This this is a kid, and these are the type of numbers that we expected to see with quarterbacks, right, in the, in the past. Uh, but I, I think this is telling, like, we're getting this kid and we're making him a wide receiver, right, right out of the gate. We're not labeling him as an athlete. We're not labeling him as a quarterback. Um, he's a wide receiver. I think I think that's pretty telling. Um, so excited about him. And then uh, let's jump into the twins. Yeah, well, <laughs> one, more, we? one more thing about him yeah. before we get, um, which is is pretty telling about why I think they recruit him, even though he may be undersized to us to a certain degree. A state champion in the one hundred meter. So yep. if you're going to be small, you're going to have to be really really fast. And this kid is fast. So yes. I think I know that. Probably the next two receivers you're going to get into, we'll, we'll, you get into them. But if you're not the big, prototypical, tough uh, receiver that can just body a, a defensive back, uh, look for these the smaller guys to have speed that will just outrun anybody and, and really make us a vertical threat down the field, and this guy's it. Yep. So talking about flips, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into the twins here. So first, uh, Josh Dallas. Um, wide receiver, uh, Trinity uh, Christian High School, 6'1", 195. Um, he was committed, along with his brother, quarterback David Dallas, um, to Western Michigan. Uh, they each had a, a a bunch of offers from, from Ivy Leagues, from a bunch of group of fives, uh, pretty much the entire MAC. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and, and uh, maybe a couple of Sunbelt schools, I believe, for at least for Josh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this, this is a kid that's like super physical, right? He was the region four single a co-offensive player of the year. Um, uh, almost 1200 total yards, um, receiving his senior year, 16 touchdowns. And, uh, yeah, this is just a physical kid that will fight for the ball, can kind of line him up anywhere. Um, you know, this, this is the type of receiver I think we haven't really seen too much, um, at Georgia Southern that I, that I think will be really interesting to see how we use him in, uh, in Clay Helton and, um, and Brian Ellis's offense. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like you kind of have a couple of options with him and, and you can line him up in the slot and he'll be quicker than a linebacker and bigger than a safety. You put him on the outside, he'll be bigger than a DB. You know, I think this is, it's interesting that when they brought this up in the press conference, especially with Josh, how Clay Helton, uh, quickly mentioned um, two of the more famous big-bodied, tough receivers that he coached out at USC. Yeah. Juju Schuster, yeah, and, and Melvin Pittman. So I think um, you know that's pretty big names. Obviously, they're NFL guys. Um, that that you know that he can name drop, and that's that's pretty important here. And you know that's you know for for lack of a better word, I mean it's high expectations to be honest with you to put on the kid. But um, I think he can handle it. He could be a real producer here. When he gets when he gets here, and then as far as his brother, uh, or his twin brother, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for him as far as his development at the position of quarterback and how, you know, quickly can he take over the team? If is I know that there's another quarterback that we'll probably get into later, but um, the competition is there between the two quarterbacks we brought in today, um, and Ken Ramsom at the very least. 
there should be a healthy competition that whoever wins the starting job over the next two, three years, we should feel really confident that they should be able to put up points and really lead us as far as offensively goes to be real competitive in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I, I saw some you know talk on Twitter of like even though that the stars might not show it or the the Sun Belt ratings uh, or rankings um, might not <clears throat> showcase it, and we, and we can get into like the nuances of that, right? But um, that this might be the most impressive recruiting class that we've had ever, really. I mean, in yeah. FBS history, yeah, but, I, I mean, can't find a hole in it would to be, be honest ever. with you, right? Um, but with with that, I think, you know, whether or not that's true, and we can sit there, you know, we could sit here and debate that. Um, I think no one can argue when it comes to wide receivers, and it might be controversial, but when it comes to quarterbacks, I think this is the best class we've ever had. Now, obviously, a very different type of quarterback than we've ever seen come to Georgia Southern, but, you know, I, I do just think from the intangibles, from uh, from the, the numbers that they put up in, in high school, from the other offers that they had on the table, um, I do think that this, uh, from both quarterbacks, wide receivers, and maybe even offensive line. Ah, see, um, you stole is, my thunder. You stole my yeah. thunder. Because I was going to yeah. throw in offensive line, too. Even though there's only three guys that we brought in on this initial class, um, Peshawn Wibley is uh, 6'3", 3'15". Uh, let me see if there was a young man from Hazelhurst who I think is like 6'4", and 290. I believe I can find his 6'4", 280. Uh, 10 pounds won't make a difference there. He'll get, I'm sure they'll buff him up real quick when, they, when he gets here. Um, he'll be over 300 easy. Uh, and then Chandler Strong, uh, 6'3", 290, out of Warner Robins. He was the Region 1A, 1-6A. Um, offensive line uh, region player of the year there. So, again, these are three big body linemen. They all seem to be pretty physical. I'm excited about getting these three kids in. I think you're right. Quarterback-wise goes, this may be probably the best quarterback class that we've ever had, um, on paper at least. And yeah, receiver goes. It's not discrediting right any quarterback that we've had, right? We're not no, sitting here no, no, and comparing no. and saying that the David Dallas – or the the um, the Walton kid um, Rossman is is going to be better than Kevin Ellison and Foster and, and oh yeah, uh, yeah. No, 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 uh, no. right we're we're not saying that but I mean just on paper from a uh, again the a offer pure sheet, quarterback from the intangibles a pure quarterback having the arm strength having the pocket presence um, you know having the awareness like yes it it is it it, it jumps off the page no you're right you're right and. The receivers that we got, you have two that are big bodied receivers that can bully defensive backs and probably outrun most linebackers and safeties. And then you have two guys with uh, the young man out of Washington Wilkes and then Joshua Thompson out of Johns Creek um, who are speed demons and they just can just run by anybody. Um, interesting thing about Joshua Thompson, he's very highly recommended from an Atlanta Falcon that most people know in Roddy White. Um, I don't know if you saw the tweet that went out, but Roddy White was like, this guy should be playing D1, and I don't understand why anybody hasn't offered him yet. So for him to come here and to also be another track star, I believe, um, I think it's pretty exciting. Speed and big body receivers. I'm excited about it. 
Yeah, 50 catches, almost uh, 1,200 yards, 20 touchdowns for him as a senior. And Johns Creek, I mean, you're not talking about a rural area, right? You're talking no. uh, right there in, 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 in Gwinnett and Fulton. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and uh, competitive ball, right? Really uh, talented um, ball there. So I think uh, – yeah, I think this, again, is a kid. I mean, similar model that we've seen in the past that we get with quarterbacks and that we got with uh, running backs, right, of getting that guy that might be an inch or two shorter and, you know, 20 pounds lighter uh, than, than may, you know, to, just to deter um, those <clears throat> more, uh, you know, those P5 offers and whatnot. But uh, we see the impact that those guys can have. So I'm excited to see that kind of dynamic on the wide receiver front, right? Yep. Um, we've seen it. We've seen it with quarterbacks, with, with the Kevin Ellisons, with the Jason Fosters. We've seen it with the running backs, with the Matt Breedas. Um, I'm really excited to see that with the wide receivers now. I, I second that. I'm I'm excited to see um, to see what will actually be what I feel like is a legitimate threat from all positions on the offensive side of the ball, quarterback, running back, and receiver. Um, so I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about it, to be honest with you. I can't wait. I wish we could kind of go ahead and make their progression for two years and just see how good they, these kids can be um, because they all have real high potential. Yeah, absolutely. I guess so we touched on kind of the offensive linemen. We can touch, touch on the other quarterback, I guess. Yeah, go Ryan for it. Ryan Rossman. All right, so Zach Rossman um, – out of uh, Marietta, uh, Walton High School, um, he's uh, you know he's 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 got the size. You know we we just talked about getting the undersized guy. He is definitely kind of that prototypical um, pro style quarterback size, six three, two hundred. Um, you know, again played uh, not in a rural area at Walton High School um, against uh, you know um, high level competition. And I uh, got to the semifinals, I believe, correct, Cody? Um, yes. There. And, um, you know, as much as I try to follow Georgia high school football uh, out of Colorado. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so I mean, you know, this was a kid that, um, you know, he passed for 6,000 yards, um, 50 touchdowns throughout his career um, out of uh, 37 career starts. And, um, you know, his numbers senior year um, took a little bit of a dip. Um, you know, I know he kind of shared some playing time uh, with a, with another quarterback there um, that I believe was an underclassman. Um, but he, he had uh, a little over 1,100 yards uh, passing, 10 touchdowns, also rushed, rushed for five touchdowns his senior year um, following his junior campaign, which were uh, slightly better numbers at about 1,800 passing yards, um, 217 rushing yards, 19 total touchdowns. Um, so that kind of helped catapult him, um, also the competition he was playing against and all that um, uh, from his junior year. Maybe didn't live up to as much expectations his senior year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, still, I think, you know, this is a kid that had, uh, he was committed to App State, right? We flipped him, um, and, uh, which is huge. Anytime you yeah. can not, not only steal a kid from a, uh, 
a conference mate, but a rival um, is, is huge. Um, he also had offers from uh, Georgia Tech, right? So, um, and, and he's uh, rated three star. So I, I think this is a kid that has a lot of potential for us um, in Brian Allison and Clay Hilton's um, new system. Um, again, might not be immediate, but in a couple years, I think it's going to be him and David Dallas probably um, competing for that QB1 spot. No, no, you're right. Um, I think they have a good shot at it. Obviously, Ken Ransom will have something to say about it. Um, but no, I think all of these young men have legitimate shots, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to come in and contribute early. Um, I think the competition will be fairly wide open. And I think with the new staff, especially the new offensive staff, they're probably going to you know, make a, a clean sheet and pretty much just state, you know, whoever, don't matter if you're freshman or senior, the best 11 is going to get on the field and, you know, and then the next best 11 will be in the, in the two deep. So again, we'll see how this all plays out over the next months and years to come. But right now, this first recruiting class on the offensive side of the ball has me pretty excited. I cannot, I can't lie about it. Yep. So, uh, I guess move to the defensive side of the ball now. Yep. Want to do that? So, Let's start with two guys that have been like long-term commits, and if, if you follow, if you've been following this really at all on uh, on social media, I think you might recognize these names because I mean, you talk about just guys that are like get bought in, right? And and especially through something like this where you have a coaching change, but still to stay committed and and then really kind of be an advocate, right? To to just rally like other kids to um <clears throat> when when we get kids to flip or when kids are on the fence. Um two names kind of stand out here for me and both are uh our defensive guys. So the first one um is um Ashton uh, Whitner, right, a defensive back uh, out of Greenville, South Carolina, Greenville High School, three-star prospect um, <clears throat> by 24-7 ESPN. And, um, you know, this is a guy, he was uh, rated uh, number th- uh, 39 player in the state of South Carolina. Um, and, you know, we we know our history with defensive backs. Obviously, we retain uh, Kevin Whitley. Um, we'll get more into that in, in the second half of this, um, <clears throat> talking about the coaching staff. But, uh, you know, I, I think he obviously played, Coach Whitley played a huge role in retaining um, the majority of our recruits and a lot of them being defensive players, right? Um, just kind of keeping that continuity there. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I, I think this is going to be a special kid again, maybe not immediate, um, but here in a couple years, obviously we do have some holes to fill in the defensive backfield, went through a ton of injuries. Yeah. I think he has a chance to, to, to work his way in. Yeah, no, I, and, and he very well could. He very well could. And, and yeah, I mean, obviously he dealt with a lot of injuries, Derek Canteen, among others this year. Um, so, yeah, it, it, uh, if, if it's depth, if it's start right away as a freshman, um, I think this kid is, is definitely going to get uh, playing time um, sooner than later. Yeah, I think any of the defensive backs that we brought in today, I think um, have a legitimate shot of, of competing for a starting position, if not being the too deep a rotation within our secondary. Um, just as you mentioned, from the injuries and really kind of the lack of depth that we have already, I think, you know, if if you're if, if I'm one of those five defensive backs, I'm pretty excited and in, in to get in and start lifting and understanding my role 
and understanding how I best I can help the team and in any way that I can to get on the field. And I think I think they of all the position groups, I think that one you'll see uh, possibly one or two of them into the rotation sometime, either in the fall, if not, um, I'm sorry, in the fall or at the very latest the following year as redshirt freshman. Yep, completely agree. And and the next guy I was going to mention um, that's been uh, you know committed for a while and very vocal on social media um, is also a defensive back, right? And, and Mark Stampley, uh, the second, um, he is a 5'11", 180 uh, defensive back um, out of Stars Mill High School, Peachtree City. And, um, and yeah, I, I think this is another guy that um, – could see playing time right away or, or, or certainly maybe as, as a sophomore or retro freshman um, here in a year or two. No. Yeah. Completely. Like I said, I, I, that's how I feel about these defensive backs. Um, not taking anything about what we have here now, obviously canteen and bride are, are, are fantastic players. Um, but you know, they can't be the only two out there. And um, I think the competition, I think they should have a legitimate, you know, hard-nosed competition going into the spring into the fall as to who will be the best four, six, eight guys you can rotate into that secondary um, to be playing on Saturdays. Then you've got um, from, you know, linebackers, I guess we can talk about those. Obviously, that was a position that, you know, we had some turnover, we had some injuries, um, had some holes there. So uh, that's another area I think that we could see, if not from – you know, freshmen, high school freshmen coming in, um, transfers, you know, kind of filling out that linebacking core, but, uh, you know, bringing in some some key key uh, young recruits in, in this class. Two two linebackers, I believe, came in this class. Um, obviously, uh, as you mentioned, injuries, turnover there. But, again, the, with defense, and obviously I think how disappointed we were with how the defense played, um, this past season, there were players and young men who who stood out and played well. Obviously, the uh, uh, inside linebacker, freshman inside linebacker, I think uh, Robinson um, played really, really well. Um, obviously, he'll probably be a starter going out uh, from here on out um, as long as he stays here. Uh, again, I think there was another one. Oh, I cannot remember his name, but he went out, I think, the third or fourth game, maybe Arkansas State with an injury, um, that he played really, really well and probably will come back and, and, and probably be a starter. But these two young men, I think, have have uh, a good chance to be in the rotation or two deep coming this fall, if not by their redshirt freshman year, if they don't get to see any play in time uh, next fall. Yeah, and then I guess finally uh, talking about the line, certainly the strength of the defense um, last season, um, one of the biggest strengths of the team, right? And, uh, you know, we obviously lose some guys uh, from from the D, uh, D block, but, uh, you know, bringing in some guys, uh, including Deshaun Davis, um, guy that stands out, three-star rated recruit, 6'3", 280 out of Charlotte, North Carolina, um, so, you know, that's, that's a name maybe to look out for, um, here, if not again this year, then, then, uh, you know, in, in a year or two. Yeah. Three linemen, I believe is what we, what we brought in today. Mm-hmm. Um, all big body linemen too. Uh, let me see, uh, Varner six four three hundred. that, that he's, yeah. that's big. Um, 
and he is a transfer from North Carolina. You have yep. another defensive lineman, uh, Kai Tayo, I believe is how you pronounce the name. If not, I apologize. 6'1", 290 out of Columbia, South Carolina. So big body, big size, you know, individuals that are ready to run through a brick wall and get to a running back or a quarterback in the backfield. So I'm excited. I mean, again, we look at all of this, and I can't really find a position group or a player in which I think, oh, man, why why are we recruiting him, you know, it's a well-rounded All, class. Yeah, yeah it is. It's a, it's a very it's a, well-rounded yeah. class. Um, <laughs> we, we don't see a kicker or a punter, um, yeah. which I felt like was a staple of the Lunsford years that you always recruited yep. one. Um, but I think that it's you know is not needed at this time. Obviously, I think Beck is coming back, um, and as well as the kickers that we have here, we'll see what Correct. the new special teams coordinator can do um or maybe they look for the portal if there's any holes or if they feel like they need to fill a need there but no i think this class is is as far as i can tell really really good now i know that 247 hasn't rated a vast majority of them um i think when they do you will see us six i believe out of the 20 are are rated and they're three stars but the rest aren't and and yeah yeah, and I think you'll see a lot of these unrated kids probably have three stars by the time it's all said and done. But look for us to probably move up, I would think, somewhere in the either three or five class is where I'm kind of thinking it. we should land. I think that's land. fair, yeah. I think, I think five at, at a minimum or, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. So, at the highest, uh, yeah. So, but again, just looking at it in terms of what we needed and – um holes to fill i think it's fine we need offensive linemen we got it we needed receivers we got it we needed quarterbacks we got it we needed defensive i mean like we go through and we hit it on on the head um and what i like about it is right now they focus on getting high school players so these are players that they look for to be part of the future to develop um and then i think as you'll see in the february signing class that that'll probably be filled mostly with with transfers um for yeah, so you get 25 like spots a, yeah. yeah as helton said in the press conference today you know you get 25 spots we obviously filled 20 um so yes that tells you that you got five spots left but obviously that number could increase um with transfers which is one thing that we haven't really touched on that much we touched on the varner kid right out of north carolina excited to see what he can do one of the three non-state or uh, non-georgia um, recruits in the this class and the only uh transfer in this early signing period yep um <clears throat> but uh expect more right i think in in these next uh, couple months expect more um obviously we've seen on twitter uh the offers are out there um guys uh, etsu um, Rutgers, um, you know, uh, there's, you know, a lot of speculation out there too of, of guys that are, uh, entering the transfer portal that are, um, from Georgia, right. Or, or from, even USC. from the low country or from USC. Right. So yeah, expect those five, maybe not all five of those spots, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if three or four of those, uh, were transfers. And then I would expect a couple more spots to open, uh, with transfers of our own, right, of, of guys um, currently on the roster that decide to enter, enter the transfer portal after kind of seeing the landscape of things. And, um, and yeah, and then that will open up some more opportunities. And, I mean, I think Helton was pretty transparent about that. I mean, a little yeah. coach speak, but, I mean, I think he was pretty transparent of, like, 
yeah, we've technically got like five spots now, but expect that number to increase. Um, so don't be surprised by spring if we have, you know, maybe seven or eight uh, more players in this class, um, the majority of them being transfers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, I think that covers uh, most of everything. I think the only thing I wanted to touch on was, I guess, off that fact was the job that Helton has been able to do in not just bringing this stat, bringing uh, this class together, right? I mean, 20 is a solid number, again, well rounded. Um, you've got kind of three like phases of it, right? You were able to retain, right? <clears throat> again, Coach Whitley helped tremendously with that, especially on the defensive side. So you got those guys that like <clears throat> stayed committed. We didn't really see. Uh, decommitments like we did across some of the you know our our uh, some belt beers. Um, then you know we were able to add more flipping guys, right? The the Dallas brothers, obviously from I Western think the Michigan. Flipping is the more impressive part because yeah. of who we flipped and the schools that they were going to. Like the Dallas kids were going to Western Michigan. Well, that's the uh, who coaches them is the former coach of Florida, McLewan. Yeah. Who was a saving assistant? You know, before that, uh, the young kid, the other quarterback, was an out state commit, and we flipped him. I mean, so, yep. and then oh, one of the receivers was a South Alabama commit, yep. and we flipped right. him, and that was one. He's like six three, two hundred, one ninety five or something like that. I mean, a big, big receiver out of uh, Montezuma here in Georgia, right uh, south yep. of Macon. So, I mean, I, to me, if you're going to ask me what the most impressive part of it is, it's I think being able to how how you know he hasn't been on the job for for too long, but to take young men that are in the state of Georgia and 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 be able to say and have them believe in in what he's doing here already, versus you know South Alabama or Central Michigan or you know whatever. Or no, he wasn't. No, it was it was Western Michigan they were going to. I think um, Western Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. So not McLean. Wrong. Oh, got confused. But, anyways, same same point that to flip these young men after they've been committed so long to these other schools, I think to me is the most impressive part. I I completely agree. Yeah, I was gonna say the 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 third phase of it is retaining what we have on the current roster, right? I mean, again, yeah, you you expect with any coaching change, period, but certainly a coaching change in the offensive side where you're. 180 identity basically right of like you you expect and and that's not to say that we're not going to have guys like i just said right that we we're probably going to see that um those number of spots open up or or, you know the the deck chairs become vacant where we can fill them um but but as of now we're we're low i mean like minimal of, of of guys in the portal um where you're seeing across the conference and across g5 and just across the nation um of of, you know it's 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 there's a ton of there's like 40 plus quarterbacks in the portal nationally right and um so yeah so i i think that's saying something too like obviously he came in has said the right things got that buy-in of like the guys that are here like look we're gonna find a spot for you we're gonna find a way to make this work um we're gonna bring in other guys too 
And then, yeah, and then you're able to flip those guys, which I agree that I think that's the most impressive part of the whole puzzle. But, um, yeah, I think those three phases, to me, I think that speaks volumes um, for what he's been able to do in just a a a three-and-a-half-week period. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think as far as recruiting goes and and as you said, too, it's it's one thing to sell yourself to get talent, but to come in here and also retain the talent that's already here is, is pretty big as well. Uh, because we do have ballers. I mean, I mean, let's be honest with you. We do. Now it didn't all come together this last season, but there there are several good football players that are on this team, um, mm-hmm. and to, and for them to stay as of now, um, and appears that they will, is 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 pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive, especially when Lunsford appeared to have been so well liked by the players. At you know it's athletic department for the most part um and and family so uh i don't know i think like i said as far as the recruiting aspect of it goes and 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 player talent and 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 recognition of that um i i give them a plus if we're going to give out grades i think a plus for helton as of right now yeah i agree with that yeah i mean if if i was going to be a hard grader i'd say a right i mean that like i I think um (laughs) a or a minus but but yeah no i I think uh accounting for short period of time and then yeah all the things we talked about like i i I agree i i think i mean you it's a huge uphill battle obviously you got a little bit more ahead of start than uh than some of the other coaches in this carousel like i said um, certainly the one that replaced him and, and, and Lincoln and Lincoln Riley, right at, at, at USC. I mean, um, he, I, I couldn't imagine just trying to piece together a, a recruiting class. I think they signed like six guys at USC. Um, yeah, piece together a recruiting class in, in like a week. Um, obviously Helton had a little bit longer than that, but that's still a short amount of time to, to again, massage those relationships, nurture those existing relationships that were commits to a previous staff. Right. So, you know, brand new personalities, brand new philosophies, all of this. Um, then, and let's also, again, yeah, let's also, we have to give a lot of credit to that to coach Whitley. I mean, yep. he even said in one of the first press conferences after Lunchford was fired that I think one of the first things he did was he called up all the the recruits and was like, you know, as of right now, everything's still good. Your offer is still available. You know, we haven't, we're not taking anything back. It's, it's everything's good to go. So, you know, I think um, you have to give a lot of credit to that, especially with young men that have been committed since, you know, July, June, August, or even earlier. Um, for Coach Whitley to get on the phone with them and keep them updated and, and let them know what was happening and to ensure them that they can still come here and call this place home. And let's be honest, Whitley's doing this not knowing his own future. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? So, I mean, that that shows the character and also the love for the program, right? Being a, a true GS man and being an arc eagle um, that, that uh, Coach Whitley is, that, look, I'm, I'm going to do this to, to do what's right long-term for the school that I love and for my alma mater, um, not even knowing if I've got a spot here, right? Um, yeah. Cause this was before Helton was, was hired. Right. Um, and I'm sure, you know, maybe he was given some heads up from, from Banco uh, when, when the deal started getting closer to being done. But uh, you know, I, and I know that wasn't like a huge gap in between uh, Lunsford being fired um, but, but yeah, like, I, I'm like, I, I think that says a lot about coach Whitley of like jumping in there and being like, look, 
this is priority number one, um, retaining these guys for the future staff and a future staff that I may or may not be a part of. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. So, you know, as much credit as we give to Coach Helton, I think just as much, if not more, to Coach Whitley for, for, like you said, just the time and the hustle to still put into recruiting, even though he didn't even know if his own job was was on the line, you know, if he's still going to have it. So, um yeah, I think to put a bow on that, I think those two men, fantastic job. And you see, I mean, you even saw them on the road. You know, <laughs> I felt like as soon as Coach Helton got here, I felt like he was like just doing laps around the state of Georgia, um, yeah. going to just about every high school. He, he was could. every yeah. I mean, I've never seen. I mean, obviously we're well ingrained, right, and we're following every single thing on on Twitter, but. Um, yeah, I, I never, from, from any of our previous coaches or following like, uh, you know, conference mates and things like that, like that quick and that often, like you just see yeah. like, Oh, offer, 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 go to this high school, go to this high school, <laughs> you know, at this high school football game. Like he was bounced around like a, like a high school sports reporter, right? Just yeah. Like, boo, boo, boo. like it, it was nuts. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, hit the ground running. Like it's, it's great to see. And, you know, especially for a guy that came from a blue blood program in, in USC uh, to, to, you know, uh, go across the country, go into these rural areas of, of Georgia and um, and just embrace it. Right. And then start building oh, yeah. these relationships with the high school coaches and with the high school kids. It's great. Great to see. It is fantastic. So, um, cool. So we'll get in a good segue to the coaching staff, right? So, um, again, uh, not fully fleshed out right now. Um, pretty much from the <laughs> on-field, on-field coaching sign. What is just taking offense. so long? Right. <laughs> just offense um, and special teams, right? That That's, that's yeah. basically what's going on. No, and Coach Whitley is the only defensive coach on staff right now. Um, you know, as soon as keep, we keep we, we plan to release this podcast, at like, oh yeah, it's going to be announced tomorrow. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's <laughs> it is what it is. Um, yeah, we we did the rain dance. It's you know it's it's coming. So, um, <laughs> but <laughs> with uh, going through this staff, we won't like spend the same amount of time on like each one. Obviously, there's like bigger discussion points and, and talking points with, with certain hires. Um, but for this first one, I want to start with the first hire because I do think it's interesting um, <clears throat> that uh, Coach Helton's first hire was Ryan Smith, who is the general manager of Georgia Southern football. Is he going to sign um, Freddie so, Freeman? <laughs> yeah, right. He <laughs> signed Freddie. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not – it's not something you see every day. I mean, honestly, like certainly not at G five schools. Um, you it is know, a I, I newer have, position. It's a newer, definitely a newer role. It's something that uh, you know. I want to say I don't have a number to place on it, but a handful, I would say, uh, to generalize it, um, of schools across the country. P five. Yeah, it's G5s, not even. A, it's right? not even at all. P five schools. It's, it's no. kind of even a rare thing there. No. Yeah, it is. It is a rare thing at P5s. And I I honestly, like, I'm sure there's probably at least one other G5, probably maybe a couple that, that have it, but it's a rare position that you see. Um, now, um, there's other positions that are maybe similar in responsibilities and, like, competencies and um, things like that. Uh, Director of Football Operations staying out, but, of course, we have that. We actually retain that on the support staff side. Um, and Matt 
Transu might mispronounce that last name. Um, <clears throat> but this is a guy that I, I had to look it up. But I guess he came in in March, right? So so this wasn't a yeah. Halton hire. Um, but when when I started thinking about the general manager position, you know, you've got you hear positions like what uh, Adrian Peterson has for us, which is like player development, right? Of focus on academics, focus on um, you know the the full body student athlete, that kind of thing, right? You've got the director of football operations, which is everything helping the ad with like scheduling and helping like equipment stuff and helping just like facilitation right <clears throat> and then um i'm sure general manager has overlapping i guess responsibilities with some of those things but i think the key thing here um you know with ryan smith coming from auburn um and he was the director of player personnel right so that's another position yeah. um that i think uh is that, that you hear that is more common um that i think relates at least loosely to this position um is recruiting right i mean it, it, this is basically your off-field recruiting coordinator yeah. that like his his full-time job obviously we know what a gm's role is in professional sports but in in college football the general manager is to kind of run the day-to-day but with a heavy focus on recruiting so any you know analysts that we bring in any even the on-field recruiting coordinators like he will help manage them whether they're his direct reports or not i don't know that structure right but um that's basically what this guy's job is um obviously he comes from a good pedigree i um, got really good experience um been at, at unc uh before before auburn um and uh and yeah so i i think uh it will be really interesting to see um, you know, again, not something you talk about regularly, not something that, uh, you know, we're probably going to often talk about, um, but it's one of those behind the scenes things that does matter, right? I mean, it's a, it's an important, yeah. um, an important role. So it will be interesting and, to see how it I'll, shakes out. I'll tell you what, with that hire being the first one that kind of leaked, um, and, and announced what that signaled to me is that there really is a seriousness behind what Jared Binko as well as Clay Helton have, or Coach Clay Helton has, has stated that they want more resources poured into the coaching staff uh, and the football program as a whole, right? So with this new position um, of the general manager, this is something that I feel like is what is looked upon as if you're going to be a, a top-tier program, you have to have this within your program to be successful. And, you know, that to me is a great first step. It's a it's a leg up on most of our competition that I think will be a tremendous advantage going forward. Um, and to piggyback kind of on, on the responsibilities of it, it's almost a, a big part of it is recruiting, but a lot of it is also still uh, roster evaluation and roster uh, management. In a, in a sense, to make sure that you look at your roster and say, okay, where are the weaknesses at? Is it offensive line? Okay, well, where exactly is the weakness on the offensive line, and who do I need to recruit, or where do I need to go after to fill that weakness? Is it something that can be in the transfer portal, or is it something that we need to develop at a, from a, a high school graduate? So this is, to me, when I first saw this come across, um, got me really excited because it was like, wow, finally we have leadership in place in the athletic department and in the football uh, 
coaching uh, head coach that they are seriously taking recruiting um, and player development and personnel seriously to really take us to that next level of greatness for Georgia Southern football. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I think where um, you're right on the player personnel side where a GM in pro sports, right, is looking at contracts like the Freddie Freeman thing, right, and, and seeing, like, where like, what's, what's the big picture there. But same thing on the college side, right? I mean, it might not be contracts, but it's, it's you know, what, what's depth here? What's, you know, again, tying into recruiting now with a transfer portal, you know, paying attention to that. Um, and, and just like all the different rules of you know, with the COVID year and all, you know, so it's, it's, it's just kind of man yeah, management of the roster management that, and that obviously alleviates a lot of responsibilities yes. that previously fell on head coaches and assistant head coaches and, and Kevin Whitley and, and, and things like that. So that, that's huge, um, because that, that allows those guys to then focus their efforts on game management and game yep. prep and, and all that, right. Um, where you're not having to be that like all in one, um, you know, I'm part AD, I'm part general manager, I'm part player personnel, I'm part yeah. head coach, you know, um, you can just kind of be a head coach. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I'm really excited to see how that, uh, how that plays out. And I, I do think it's, it's, uh, this kind of lies heavily on Jared Banco and in uh, in that vision that we keep hearing Clay Hilton talk about so much that that sold him on coming here in the first place. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And uh, so moving on from that, let's stay with the support staff. Um, this was not uh, we're again we're not going in like chronological order of like how it happened per se, but I think um, arguably one of the most important positions. Um, and important hires of the staff, strength and conditioning, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. we, we, we saw so much, you know, uh, so many injuries this year. Obviously, that happens, and that's not necessarily a reflection on, on previous, um, administration or, or, or coaches, but yeah. it's, you know, it's, uh, this is a big focus, um, and, and, and something, you know, you want to bring in just like the general manager or someone with a lot of experience. And we certainly did with Robert Steiner. Um, you know, this is a guy who was with Notre Dame for a number Texas of years. Too, right? Um, and yeah, Notre Dame, USC, Cincinnati, LSU, Mississippi state. I mean, you name it, right. Um, you know, I, I kind of looked, I was interested to see maybe if they're, uh, if Jared Banco and his past cross, maybe at Mississippi state, I don't think they did. I don't think the years, uh, cause that was kind of earlier in his career. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, was at Notre Dame for a number of years through two of their college football playoff appearances. Um, obviously came, uh, from USC, uh, and he was uh, a 20, uh, 21 higher, uh, recent hire for Clay Helton um, there um, after after some turnover. So wasn't with him long at USC, but I think that says a lot, right? I mean, obviously, you know, yeah. they had a changing in the guard at USC, um, you know, Lincoln Riley coming in, probably going to bring in his own strength and conditioning coach. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, this is a guy with a ton of experience that I have no doubt could have had a job at a lot of places. And I think it says a lot that he wanted to move across the country. Now he is from the Southeast, um, <clears throat> but that he wanted to move across the country to come to Georgia Southern and, uh, and, and, um, 
and hold this role under Clay Helton once again. No, no, you're absolutely right. This is a another big time hire that on paper, you know, it looks the part. I mean, you look at this and you're like, I don't really know what else more we were, were looking for for a strength and conditioning coach. Um, been part of big time programs that had a lot of success and has, to me, a, a really good track record of, of where he's been. So the fact that he was willing to come here, head up this strength and conditioning um, program for our team, it, I think, like you said, it speaks volumes. Um, and it is, it's got me pretty pretty excited about it, too. Um, I mean, I you know, the, uh, the strength and conditioning coach is probably the fourth most important coach on a or, or on the on the football program, right? Coordinators, offensive line coach, and then you can probably say probably the strength and conditioning coach is the most important one after that. So, I think with this one, you put a big check mark, A plus, whatever you want to put it. I think this one is a is a is a big time hire, and is uh, it's going to be very beneficial for our team. Yeah, and then and I guess the biggest thing to note there is that we've already hired again without having that defensive staff or other things showing you know once again showcasing that investment is uh bringing in a um assistant right uh to him Which i don't think um, we've ever had yeah well I, I yeah i don't recall us ever having right of uh, of course we have it i think we we've had, had, like, had catch-alls GAs. we've had gas and we've may have had like catch-all that like bounce around with different sports right and then help out here and there um, but, but yeah, never like too, uh, you know, too dedicated like that. So that, I believe was the most recent hire, right. With, uh, yes. at least of, uh, as of this recording, um, of that assistant one. And he, uh, had experience at a, at a number of schools as well. Um, so Which he just came from what FIU, a, right? FIU, I believe. Okay. Yeah. But, um, I want to say Memphis, he spent some time there and, um, yeah, so I I think that um, and he's still read. I mean, he's not even on the um, the coaching roster yet on the website. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, yeah. I I think again that just kind of showcases the investment in strength and conditioning. Like, look, these are going to be two of the first like five or six hires we make are going to be for the strength and conditioning department. Yeah. Um. And uh, and yeah. So. Moving on from that, uh, I guess we'll continue the theme of like the unsung kind of behind the scenes. Like if this isn't a good hire, then you're going to see it on the field, but you might like question why. Um, and it's, it's not going to be uh, a hire a lot of people normally talk about, and that's special teams, right? So special teams, I, I even tweeted out on our account um, a couple weeks ago after the App State game and seeing – uh, just repeated lapses, right, and, and special teams and coverages and um, and, and kicking play and uh, kicking the ball out of bounds and the inability to get the ball, you know, for, for touchbacks and uh, in, you know, instructing the returners. The mental mistakes. To, the the mental mistakes. Games that when, we had about. When to run it out of the end zone, when to take yeah. the touchback, right, that kind of stuff. Um, we have not had a dedicated special teams coordinator in years. Um, you know, uh, of course that, uh, was part of coach Lunsford's background, but his time was spread thin being the head coach. Um, so we saw the, f- some of the fruits of that labor, obviously with, from the recruiting, like you said, of, of bringing in, um, 
bringing in kickers, bringing in punters like Anthony Beck, um, you know, developing guys like Tyler Bass, and and that's great. <clears throat> but collectively, we've definitely seen a decline in special teams over the last couple of years, um, and it really came to a head this year, I believe. Um, and and yeah, so I, and and Coach Helton was upfront about it. Was like, look, we we saw this as an area as a huge area of improvement and we wanted to bring in a guy dedicated um to this third phase of football right that everyone overlooks but everyone knows that special teams is is a huge huge part of uh the difference between wins and losses um and so bringing in Turner West um and this is a guy again um good pedigree uh NFL experience, uh, spent a number of years with the Dallas Cowboys, um, and then uh, previously came from the Citadel where he was their special teams coordinator as well as their recruiting coordinator, um, <clears throat> which is interesting. And, uh, and yeah, and you're talking about a, a Citadel team that in the SOCON um, ranked really well in, in special teams um, where – you know, he had punters um, ranking high in, in, in the conference, um, <clears throat> getting all-conference honors, same with kickers, um, just same with, like, total special teams uh, rankings. So, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really big hire, and, and I'm really excited to see the emphasis and investment um, in this phase of the game. No, you're right. This is something that, that is a definite need because – I mean, we had, what, two, three straight games in which we had a block punt in the first half that went for a touchdown, um, which is just uncalled for. You had mental lapses of when to return a kick and when not to. I I, I just, um, this is something that has been clearly needed for the last two, three seasons, you could say. Um, and you could tell that after Tyler Bass left and you didn't have that automatic touchback that, coverage team on kickoffs just seemed at times to be lost um and you know what we gave up what two uh kickoff returns for touchdowns to app state two years in a row um it's just a lot of the stuff that you see is just uncalled for stuff that you don't see happen on teams that are coached well and that are or that put their players in positions to to succeed so I'm excited to have somebody that has the background, um, has had coached in the NFL. I think it was outside linebackers or inside linebackers, but still NFL experience. Yeah. Now he had special team experience, even though it's the FCS level. The Citadel special teams have done really, really well. Um, this again has the markings of a of a great hire. This is this is fantastic. Right now, the what you've told me so far, and what we've gone through, everything seems to have been a a great move by coach Helton. Now we'll yeah. see how that changes in a couple of minutes, right. but cause we're not again, not going in chronological, chronological order. Um, You're, but, he's but yeah, doing this for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Start with the icing on the cake and then we yeah. get to, you know, may, may, maybe the flavor of the cake isn't what you expected. It's carrot cake under there. We don't know. Um, <laughs> carrot cake's not like bad. Carrot cake. Yeah. I actually <laughs> like carrot cake. Um, but that, that analogy, but, uh, <laughs> We're we're a baking podcast now. Um, so so yeah. So now we'll get to the offensive side. So three key hires there. Obviously, offensive coordinator being the most important. 
Um, I mean, we, we can start briefly with Ephraim Reed, the running backs coach coming in. Um, again, not in order uh, that's coming in after the other two offensive hires that we'll get to here in just a second. Um, you know, this is a guy that I think is pretty promising. Um, yeah. Not a ton of a young guy, uh, which is a theme uh, with his offensive staff so far. Um, not a ton of experience. Uh, you know, he was um, the uh, assistant uh, running back coach, uh, kind of like an analyst role, offensive analyst role at Michigan State. Um, obviously, Michigan State coming off of a huge year, 10-win season. Um, with top a fantastic 10, running back. Uh, yeah, with a fan- fantastic running back. Now, he was not the primary running back coach, um, which, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to expect like that guy to – to come down right after that kind of year <laughs> at yeah. Michigan State from Big Ten school to, to Georgia Southern. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a guy we don't know what kind of influence he had. Did he have some influence? Absolutely. Obviously. You know, yeah. how much? We don't know. Um, but, but yeah, this is a young guy, obviously was a, um, a running back himself uh, where um, he, uh, he played for – Louisiana, it Louisiana, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously he knows the the, the conference well. Um, graduated in 2016, right? Um, so again, young guy. Uh, but but yeah, th- this kind of has like an Upshaw feel, obviously without like the personal connection. Um, but I mean, I think this is a guy that obviously knows a position that can come in. Um, and uh, and yeah, and and well, that see, that's he's got a lot just, of talent to work see, with. Yeah. So with this hire, I'm actually encouraged and kind of excited about this one because two things young hire he seemed to be on the rise um just came out of a michigan state program which seems to be on the upswing under mel tucker and that leadership um again their running back had a tremendous year this year um we don't know the extent of what he worked with him but he had to have some influence on it and 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 and, you know obviously that that's a good thing um he is um, a player running back that in college beforehand uh, who knows the position, who understands the fundamentals of it, understands what the preparation that uh, goes into it, the mindset that goes into it. So, yeah, on paper he doesn't have like he didn't coach at this place or whatever, but as far as maybe what the new offensive system will be and what he needs to help coach with, white and green and and the rest of the running back core um i think he's going to be really really good for and i think this one of the three that we have left i think this is the one that i am most encouraged about and feel like he actually did a really good job of finding an up-and-coming young man who you know is given the opportunity to have his first real break in coaching ranks and, and and giving him the opportunity to succeed I agree with that, <clears throat> and you just kind of made me pivot, I guess, on the order that I'm going to do these next two, because I guess now I'll go in, in order of who I would say is second that I'm most optimistic about, I guess, um, and that's Ryan Applin, because I think he's not really far behind um, Efren Reed. I mean, uh, also young guy, um, more experience, 
then uh, then Efron, of, of course, um, you know he he uh, again similar kind of uh, makeup, right? He he played uh, for a conference foe um, at Arkansas State. Record-setting quarterback still holds most of the records um, <clears throat> for Arkansas State uh, over uh, twelve thousand five hundred. Uh, uh, passing yards, uh, completions, um, or I'm sorry, uh, total offensive yards, and then yeah, passing yards, uh, almost eleven thousand, sixty-seven touchdowns. Um, so, you know, th- this is a guy that again knows the conference really well, um, knows the recruiting footprint, um, but young guy uh, has again more experience than than Efren, but. Um, he was last at his alma mater in Arkansas State um, as their running backs coach. He's coming to us as the tight ends, inside receivers, and passing game coordinator, right? Um, and he previously worked with our new offensive coordinator, Brian Ellis, that we'll get to here in a second, um, at Western Kentucky. Uh, they shared co-offensive coordinator roles there. Um, he's also been the uh, offensive coordinator at North Alabama um, and uh, also had stops at uh, UT Chattanooga, you know, an old uh, SoCon foe. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I this is another guy that I would say not really far behind a running backs coach that, you know, um, you can point maybe to, to some things that we'll probably get into here with the Ellis discussion um, of like, well, you know, jury's still out. But, I mean, this is a guy that was super talented, obviously knows the quarterback position. I know that's not what he's coaching, um, but <clears throat> he knows what, you know, a successful offense looks like. Um, and I, I do think he's a young up-and-coming coach that has a lot of potential. So I'm um, kind of excited to see what he can do um, with – these position groups and then with our passing game as a whole. Yeah. So one, a couple of things with coach Avlin. Um, I know that I saw a lot of people give him or, or really give him a rough time about the running back numbers coming out of Arkansas state this past year. Yeah. I think they were last in rushing. I can't, we can't totally blame that on him because really your rushing numbers is a, is really a vindication of how good your offensive line is. Right. So, I think we could tell at least from the one in your game one. plan and your yeah, offense coordinator. If yeah. you're not dedicated to the right, look at Western Kentucky, which we'll talk about here yeah. in a second, right? And they uh, were also, and also they too, and, and they were they were down a lot in in all their games, so they probably you know abandoned it pretty quickly to throw the ball. Um, so those two things aren't going to to equate to great rushing numbers, um, and so I don't really think that you can really put all the blame on him for that. Um, or really say, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing because there's other factors into it that are really out of his control and out of his hand. Uh, so with that being said, I think the interesting part is what you said, inside receivers and tight ends coach um, is what he's saying. The passing game coordinator, for a fan, Matt, help me understand what is a passing game coordinator. Yes, I know it helps with the with that offensive play side of the of the ball but is that somebody who is drawing up passing plays for the playbook is that somebody who is going to call if they decide to run or pass is he going to call the pass play um in the press box up there is i mean what what do we know what do we know about a passing game coordinator 
that that helps me feel better about this hire because right now I don't even know really what that means because it hasn't really even been defined by Coach Helton or really by Coach Ellis to say this is what his roles are when it comes to the actual passing game. Sure, and and it's something that again, like the general manager that you don't see very often, um, is certainly at this level at G five, but um, even at a lot of P fives, um, and it's it's a newer concept, right? To um, and the it my answer is it varies, <laughs> which I know is vague, um, but as far like to answer the part of the question that of uh, what role will he have in play calling, um, that that just depends on, on uh, you know, Helton and, and Ellis of, of uh, how much influence, if, if at all, he'll have in the play calling. Um, I don't know. Jur- jury's still out on that. As far as your other part of it, of the actual coordination of the game planning part of building out that playbook, uh, building out opportunities to uh, get wide receivers the ball and then route running and then things like that. Um, yes, that's, that's where he has a key influence. Um, so it's, it's, it's helping basically build out the strategy. Um, and then as far as the execution of that strategy, obviously the players are doing that, but the, the play calling um, that usually uh, falls on offensive coordinator or sometimes head coach, which we'll get to here in a second um, with Ellis. So it, it might not even be either, right? It might not be Applin or Ellis. It yeah. might be Helton um, actually pulling the trigger and calling the plays, but Applin will have a big influence in the passing plays of the playbook. That's, that's again, part, I mean, that's speculation. That's not inside knowledge or anything, but just from my knowledge of, of uh, the way passing game coordinators work across college football, that's generally their role, their role. Okay. I mean, it was just to me to, to slap that on at the end of inside receiver and tight end coach, I just thought was interesting. It was like, okay, that's a great title, but what is exactly does it mean? Yeah. It could be vanity. I mean, sometimes yeah. it is vanity. Um, so the focus could be more. Again, you're talking about a guy that was a former co-office coordinator at uh, at WKU. You know, uh, uh, um, Conference USA Group Five school, uh, offensive coordinator at North Alabama um, FCS school, <clears throat> and then uh, and then recently, you know, a position coach at, at Arkansas State. Um, so it. It could be like extra, you know, we're going to slap this on to give you give you a little boost in the salary there. Um, I don't think that's the case. Um, you know, you, you see that usually sometimes for retaining assistance, right, of like we're going to yeah. throw another kind of title on you. Um, to kind of keep you happy. Normally you don't see it of like enticing them to like bring them on without like those added responsibilities. So I think, um, yeah. So I, I I definitely think, I don't think it's a vanity plate. I think um, he will have some say and, and significant influence um, in the passing game. Yeah. I think obviously, yeah, I I get that. Yeah. That makes sense. I just, I think I just like when when they announced that I just would want to have had that, like another like paragraph on the, either the school website or an explanation from Coach Helton as to what exactly that actually means in, in in details as his 
responsibility in the offense. Who, who would have ever like, thought that on a Georgia Southern podcast or just Georgia <laughs> Southern fans in general, we would be debating the role of a passing game coordinator. <laughs> can we, can we just take a step back and talk about that for a second? Right? Like, no, I mean, no, you you would know, you know, never thought. No, I, and again, I'm not debating that. Should we have it or should we not have it? I think just from a fan's perspective and having confidence in this offensive staff, it would have been great to have known he's a passing game coordinator, comma, here's the explanation or period. This is the explanation as to these are his responsibilities in the passing game, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah. And so that way I can understand, okay, this is what I know that he's responsible for, and this is what I know he's going to be helping with Coach Ellison and Coach Helton when it comes to game planning or whatever. Um, so... That, I think that's really what I was trying to get at. It's just that it was just kind of like this label. And as you said, it varies, right? It varies from team to team. Um, obviously, some teams don't have it. Some teams do have it. And those that do, as you said, it, it's a, a wide range of what could be the responsibilities or what isn't the responsibility. So, um, no, I think it'll be interesting, hopefully, as the staff builds and maybe they'll have a press conference after everything comes together. Maybe somebody will ask, explain to us the passing game coordinator role with coach Applin and, and what exactly is his responsibilities there. Yeah. What, what does that mean here? Then good segue to Brian Ellis. Cause same kind of questions, right? I mean, like you, <laughs> and, and, no, no, it's true though. Cause I mean, like he's, he's the quarterback's coach as well as the offensive coordinator, but yeah. the o- offensive coordinator in college football today means a lot of different things and, and not does. quite what it meant 10 years ago or maybe even five years ago um, where where you are the play caller. I mean, hell, at, at, at the NFL level, um, you're seeing uh, guys like uh, McVay, right, in, in L.A. Where, where they're calling their own plays, right? Um, it's uh, <clears throat> So as a head coach, you know, and, and you have your offensive coordinator that coordinates your offense, that it's part of the game planning as part of building out that strategy, building out that playbook, um, and, and game planning for the defense that they're going to be facing in the, in the next week. But the actual execution and the actual, um, you know, calling of the plays, pulling the trigger that comes from the head coach. Yeah. And, and that's another question that, is left unanswered here. So segueing, segueing into Brian Ellis of, you know, we, we don't know. We don't, you know, I, I know that's been thrown out there of like, look, everybody calm down. Obviously, like it was a, I think to say, you know, it's safe to say it was an underwhelming hire, right? It, it was It was not a splash hire. It was not something that largely excited the fan base. Um, it maybe wasn't that, surprising of one because it was a name that we heard literally from day one yeah it was that, leaked pretty quickly uh, yeah he like was within 24 hours um i believe josh aubrey uh with that maybe walked it back a little bit right um but obviously ends up coming to fruition and um so yeah so that there was there was obviously truth there um coach Elton i think has we a need to explain yeah. why because if you look at it, well, didn't he just come from like, the number one offense in college football? Yada yada yada. I think we need to explain number why. Number one passing offense, number two total offense in the country. Yeah. Um, one of the worst rushing offenses, which is interesting, right? Um, definitely air raid attack. Yeah. So the, so yeah, th- this is a classic case of like don't judge a 
book by its cover, I guess like the one eighty of that of like yeah. of like oh like like if, if you were that just casual football fan, um, which we've seen and there's nothing wrong with that, um, on, on social media of like you're reading the the press releases that the school puts out and stuff and you and you see oh you know he he was a co offensive coordinator of the second best offense of the country, a best passing attack of the country. You're like this is slam dunk, but then yeah, you start. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of googling. It doesn't take a whole lot of research um, to look at. You know, read between the lines and see what might be going on here. And and that is, you know, that his most successful year by far um, at Western Kentucky came this last year. Uh, and a big reason why, and there's no really debating that is, um, the co-offensive coordinator that they brought in, um, in, in Kitley and bringing him in from Houston Baptist, bringing in, uh, what Zappy, right? I think, um, it's his name. Um, and, and the quarterback that leads, you know, wasn't even the Heisman conversation, um, it's a whole, you know, debate for another day, but, uh, what 5,500 yards or almost 6,000 yards passing something crazy, um, that he was able to do coming from Houston Baptist with Kitley as offensive coordinator. Um, it, uh, is pretty well documented now that, um, it was Kitley calling those plays, um, obviously he came from an air raid system at Houston Baptist. He implemented the air raid system at Western brought, Kentucky. Yeah, they were, brought his playbook into brought yes. his playbook, brought his quarterback, brought some wide receivers to yeah. help out. Um, yes, that's an FCS school. So you can argue like, did it really make that much a difference? I mean, yeah, clearly it did, you know, now who like, what made the most difference was it Kitley? Was it the quarterback? Was it the wide receivers? Obviously a combo, but like who who was the majority? I don't know, you know. But like, um, it, it the the point is is that you know Brian Ellis had been at Western Kentucky for three years, right? Um, <clears throat> since serving as uh, quarterback coach at USC under Clay Helton, um, so that's where that relationship stems from, um. Goes to Western Kentucky under Clay Helton's brother in Tyson Helton. Um, they, in 2019, um, they're a decent offense. Um, they're 91st decent in the country. Team. Yeah, decent team. Finished 9-4. and four, uh, 25.4 points per game. Again, 91st in the country. Uh Decent, but I mean, it's it's you know it's the numbers that we everyone complain about here with um with the best, right? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, so like not good enough. We got to hit that thirty point mark. We got to hit the thirty point mark. Um, then you get to twenty twenty, um, and this is interesting because this yeah, is the year, yeah, and then and then yeah, the wheels fall off. So um, twenty twenty is. Uh, the year that uh, Applin was actually right uh, on board. Um, so they were co-offensive coordinators where it was Ellis and Applin um, working together. <clears throat> and um, so kind of similar, even though Applin doesn't have the co-offensive coordinator title as, as passing cor- uh, coordinator title. So um, they're, they're obviously going to be working closely together. Um, so the best snapshot of that is the 2020 season 
And frankly, that's a terrible snapshot because <laughs> it it's uh, they, they they finished um, 19 points per game, um, which is which is bad, which is you know worse than uh, any of the best years, um, certainly any of the Roos years, um, and and right there on par with uh, the Summers years, right? And then the 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 hodgepodge of coordinators that he put together, um, 115th in the country. Um, they were only five and seven as a team. Um, and, uh, yeah, even having a good offense or a good defense at, uh, only allowing 25 points per game. Um, they just, yeah, they, they, they couldn't score enough, um, to, to have a winning record and <clears throat> get into a bowl game. So, um, then, you know, you talk about going from that 115th in the country, 19 points per game to 2021, they average, uh, 43 just over 43 points per game i believe um they uh improved to eight and five record they make the conference championship game they lose you know a thriller high scoring shootout affair against uh utsa um in uh san antonio and uh and yeah i mean you know it's it's just kind of night and day turnaround and again, to that casual fan, might be like, "Oh, well, look, like look at the difference that made." But I think it's pretty clear that a big portion of that was Kitley coming in um, from Houston Baptist as as the co-office coordinator and the main play caller, play caller, um, as well as obviously bringing in that quarterback with him. Um, so that's where you know that's kind of the backstory, I guess, where those concerns lie. And they're legitimate concerns, Cody. They really are. Yeah, no, um, they are. Yeah. So no, it's, it's not. Say, it's not. Yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say no. The concerns are legitimate. If if you're a fan, and after hearing that, you you're starting to wonder, well, that doesn't sound good. You know, how are they going to improve upon that here? That's a good question because nobody knows, right? Like, obviously, you'd think that he would take the playbook at least of the passing aspect of it from, from Western Kentucky and, and try to implement that here um, to, to where we can be an explosive offense. But again, how well does he know what he only was in it for really a year? Can he, did he pick up on it that quickly in terms of, I'm talking about Ellis here. Did he pick up on it that quickly? And can he be able to then turn around and coach it to the players and, and implement the playbook and, and have the strategy to, to, to be that effective? Um, on game days, and nobody knows that because the previous two years, whatever he was doing, clearly wasn't working at Western Kentucky. Um, so I think it's the to me as a fan, you you can be rightfully concerned about how effective this offense is going to be, um, under Ellis' leadership as offensive coordinator. Um, now, th- the other aspect of that is that we don't know how much of the offense Clay Helton will have his input into. That's the key. Yep. And that's, I think that's the big key, right? How much influence, how much say is he going to, how much a part of it is he going to be? Uh, because if it's a lot, then my concerns, I think, kind of go away. If it's little to none, then my concerns get bigger. So, you know, again... Uh, to me, we won't know until there's actually games being played and results are there and we see the scores. Yeah. But if you're worried about it, that's a that's a general concern to be worried. Now, is it, it is. chicken little, the sky is falling? No, because we do have athletes. 
The recruiting class is great. You can clearly see that who he's brought in so far. These guys are recruiters, and everybody knows college football, outside of the X's and O's, the other 50% of it is being able to out-recruit your opponents. If you have better yeah. players than who you're playing against, odds are you're going to win. Um, we, we tweeted this, and I think it's worth bringing up here, is that this is not Tyson Summers' 2.0 mm-hmm. staff, right? Um, yeah. you're, you're talking about, you're talking about, you're, you're comparing literally apples to oranges here where it's, um, you know, Clay Helton being an experienced offensive coordinator at, at Memphis and other stops. And then obviously USC before being the head coach, um, being, you know, an offensive genius in his own right. And, and then hiring a staff versus a guy with no head coaching experience coming in as a defensive coordinator um, and really kind of limited on a, on a higher level at that and Tyson Summers coming in and being like, okay, I know what we want to do. We want to have this identity hiring something completely different than what he was saying. Um, yeah. You know, and in, uh, in, in, I mean, honestly, like it's those coaches had, decent resumes um you know i mean you're you're talking about uh you know bringing in the co-offensive coordinators um with uh with the guy uh from valdosta that you know won a national championship at valdosta state um but ran a very different system so i i get where some fans are like making those parallels of like oh this it's happening again it's very different because Tyson Summers knew nothing about offense, right? He's not an offensive guy. You could even um, argue he knew nothing about football. Yeah, you could argue that he didn't know anything <laughs> about defense or football in general. Um, but obviously, Clay Helton does, right? And and he certainly knows offense. So my, I I, I do think every like like we said repeatedly on this podcast, fans have a right to be concerned. Um, it does not make you not true blue or anything like this. None of this nonsense. Um, but I, it's, it's not Tyson Summers 2.0. Um, because, because, you know, if, and again, the speculation on our part, we don't know, um, until those questions are asked. And even if they are asked, you might get coach speak. You might not get the full truth. I don't know. But with all I know is this, is that, Let's say, hypothetically, full reign control to Brian Ellis, play calling, full coordination of the offense. Applin has maybe some say in like certain pass plays and things like this, but like the he's he's running the show, right? Ellis is. Things aren't working out, and they're not working out early. Um, Helton's taking over. Right, like that. That's the way I, I can look at to. it. Yeah, or he's at least making adjustments where it's like he's calling some plays. Maybe he gives uh, Applin more autonomy there. Right. I mean, so like I yeah, where and here's you don't the, here's get that the other from thing too. That that maybe uh, maybe we're not thinking about it in terms of Clay Helton and, and company are having to come in and, and revamp and redo the entire offense. You know, when his brother Tyson took over Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky was kind of in a similar spot that we were now. A couple of years, not really that great, especially on the offensive side of the ball. He comes in, brings in Brian Ellis, um, and they have to start to kind of get everything built back up at Western Kentucky. Um, you know, do you think it could be something similar here to where they were kind of 
here to kind of fix and get the foundation set. And then in that third year, maybe like Tyson did, all right, let's go find the best FCS offensive coordinator and bring him in um, to to actually showcase what you know what we can do. Yeah, no, you might be right. Yeah, like set up the dominoes and then yeah, continue like build that foundation and then yeah, um, continue to like build a skyscraper from there. Like I yeah I, yeah, I I I agree. I mean, I think that's what we certainly saw with Western Kentucky. And I mean, it's a slow build. I mean, you're talking about a team in Western Kentucky, like they had success in the past before that. Um, but you know, they, you know, going back they made to a bad coaching hire before Tyson held. They did. They, they did. Ma- Ma- yeah. Mike Sa- uh, Sanford. So there were three and nine back in 2018. They were 21 points per game. So made, you know, a little dip there to, you know, to, uh, points uh per game difference um once uh uh tyson helton and um and ellis took over in 2019 but they were 118th in the country um and then going to 2017 89th in the country 25 points per game um so yeah i mean it, it was there was a lot of uh um building blocks there right there was there was a it was a, a rebuilding project for sure yeah um yeah. and which i mean you can argue it is here because it's 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 not it's we have a foundation as far as talent but we don't necessarily have the right talent right to, to do with that i mean like yeah I, I i don't think anyone thinks that we have the talent to put up the type of numbers in the same type of way that western kentucky did this year Right. We just, we just, we don't, we don't, we don't have the offensive line or the wide receivers, or the quarterback necessarily, um, or the, the experience of the quarterback position at least, um, to be able to put up those kind of just eye opening numbers, you know, uh, again, like 5,500 passing yards and 50 touchdowns, you know, like I don't yeah. expect that year one. Um, but you're right. I think I think this could be of uh, a situation of like, look, bring in Brian Ellis, guy guy I trust, and Clay Helton. Um, he's gonna help us get where we want to be. Um, help kind of with that rebuilding, help with that transition, and then once we start bringing in a couple of recruiting classes, you know, we have kind of sustained success. Then we really ramp it up. And yeah. then we bring in a guy that, that takes us to that next level. Yeah. That could be it. Um but regardless of of what's actually going on behind closed doors, I think it's okay to be concerned about the hire and, and kinda of question it and say, I don't know, this doesn't really seem like as good a hire as what he could have made. Um but it's not the sky's falling. I think that's what I kind of want to get at. It's, it's not yeah. it's not the sky is falling, but if you're like, oh, I don't really know about this one, that's valid. That's valid. But let's at least wait until there's results on the field before we start getting the pitchforks out and, and clamoring on about not scoring 100 points I every game. I will say the pitchforks will come out sooner because because of the hire. I, I think, like, there's some, like if, you know, if you go and hire – a high profile offensive coordinator, even if he was like from FCS, but, but certainly like, you know, you get a, a previous head coach or somebody, right. <laughs> Dan Mullen comes in. Yeah. I don't know. You know, yeah. like he's going to get a longer leash, right. He's going to get more benefit of the doubt. 
Um, so, I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, the, the first sign of like weakness, first sign of like defeat, um, there's going to be a certain group of the fan base that's going to come out of full force <laughs> with those pitchforks, um, immediately, not just for Ellis, but, um, for, for Delton really too. Right. And, and like, and that's not fair, but, um, you know, because this is going to be, it's going to be a rebuild. Like you cannot expect this to be an overnight thing. Um, you know, I'm not thinking we're, we're not winning 10 games, <laughs> you know? Uh, no, no. Uh, you know, I think realistically, uh, six wins should be the goal. Um, you know, and if, if we really want to be honest with ourselves, um, I, I would be happy with that. Um, you know, no, that's not where, you know, I want to be long-term, but yes, I think after the season, after where we are and after knowing the kind of shift that we're making, um, I think if we could get six wins of bowl eligibility and maybe get a seventh win in a bowl game, that would be a successful season to build upon to 2023. No, no, you're right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's gonna be interesting how it shakes out. I mean, I know a lot of people were very hopeful that bringing in a big name like Ellis and or I'm sorry, and in Helton, and we had talked about it right on this podcast that um, talking about his salary and starting out at seven hundred a year, um, increasing over time, but still not like a a monumental contract or anything in the history of Georgia Southern or even the Sun Belt or anything like that. Um, we expected, and we don't know the details right now. It hasn't been released of the assistants, right? Of the coordinators of, of what their contracts look like. Um, <clears throat> that could come out at some point, but uh, we expected a pretty large investment in that area. And we might've done it. I don't know. Um, but I think a lot of fans expected a bigger name, a bigger yeah. splash higher. Um, whether it was a household name, again, like a previous head coach or a top G5 coordinator or I don't, you know, something like that. Um, or like, uh, like what ULM did this year and like a Rich Rodriguez, right? Getting somebody like maybe, um, but. I don't think Brian Ellis moved the needle very much. Um, and it will be interesting to see like contract. Cause I, cause I think, you know, both Helton and Jared Benko made it clear that they're dedicated to investing in the rest of the staff to bring in high caliber people here. Um, and maybe we've done that in other places already, strength and conditioning, the general manager, right. Um, even special teams coordinator, uh, but you'd think we would do that for offensive coordinator too. Um, and then defensive coordinator still up in the air. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I, I, I think that's why people were scratching their heads a little bit. Cause it was just like, it was a little underwhelming, right? You, you, yeah, you no, just kind of right. expected more. Yeah. Yeah, no. And so, no, I think, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there is that it, it kind of was a anticlimactic hire. Yes. So, and that you know nothing against Ellis, and it's not saying that he can't come in here and do a great job, but just right now, on the information that we have, the resume, the resume yeah. doesn't speak to it. 
where like, yeah, like, I mean, it happens. Like you see all the time, right. Where, where guys like they'll have moderate success and they'll have dips and then, you know, they'll, um, just shoot to the moon with success. And yeah. That, that could be the case. And he's worked with them, you know, and, and Helton and like, so he knows way more than we do, um, about the potential there. Uh, so I'll, like you said, we got to trust in our head coach, right? We just, we, we've got to like take a step back as fans and, and trust the process, um, as cliche as it sounds and, and know, um, and again, you know, this isn't a Tyson Summers deal. So like if, 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 if it ends up derailing really quickly, um, we have a very great backup in our head coach who's a very competent uh, play caller and offensive mind. Yes. So, um, cool. Uh, I think we hit on everything, Cody. I think so. Uh, yeah. Um, anything to kind of wrap this thing up? No, just everybody have a safe and happy holiday season. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know about you. I think they said they hope they have the rest of the staff by the first team meeting in the first part January of January 10th. Yeah. January 10th. So yeah. probably what what you say, our next episode will probably be somewhere around then hopefully maybe i would say unless yeah i mean obviously with the holidays it's, it's tricky um if we let's say you know because of our luck um everything gets announced tomorrow right or something like defensive coordinator yeah the rest of the staff is a splash hire we get some big name or something like that maybe we scramble and, and do an episode early but yeah I would expect after after New Year's, um, shortly after that, um, and once once the staff gets finalized, so that first week, um, probably at the latest that second week of January, um, yeah. expect the next episode to kind of recap the rest of the staff, um, and uh, and then yeah, and then and start looking forward to 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 spring ball, um, and then uh, maybe even you know getting kind of early into the twenty twenty two season of 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 what that might look like. Yep. Cool. All right. Yeah, Cuddy. Uh, um, yeah, we covered a lot today. Um, enjoyed it. Glad. Uh, you know, um, sad the season's over. Sad that we're not playing in a bowl, obviously. Um, but you know, uh, a, a ton to I think be hopeful and. Um, excited about uh for yeah. the for the future and, and oh potential no there, so. the future the future looks bright and uh you know you take it one step at a time one season at a time like i said i think you know this season coming up six and six is an attainable goal um could be more um hopefully it's certainly not less but i think making it to a bowl should be a a, a goal that that should be attainable uh going into next year so no i'm excited but the class so far about most of the coaching staff um, and can't wait to see who else they bring in and, and round out and uh, excited for the new year. Yeah. Yep. So we'll pick it up next time. Um, yeah. Excited for the future. And as always, hail Southern. Hail Southern. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gotatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gatatalk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, 
or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gatatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, Gata and Hail Southern. Thank <laughs> you.